Amen. Hey, y'all can have a seat. <clears throat> hey, give it up for our band. They put in some overtime tonight. Um, hey, listen, can y'all see me okay? I'm, am I lit like a kind of well? It's going to get dark in the middle of this, I'll just tell you now. But a little shorter than we're used to, um, and you can probably tell um, I am a little under the weather. So that will also help with the length of, uh, of this talk. Um, however, I'm just going to leave it all out there for you tonight. Planning on going home with no way to talk um, in the morning. I kind of like got sick a little bit on Monday, and then it just progressed into this. Uh, but I figure I have just enough uh, voice left in me to uh, share with you what the Lord's put on my heart tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And um, if you've been with us for a little while, you know that we are in the middle of a series through the book of Colossians. Colossians, uh, this is week four of our Colossians series. And so we've made it all the way uh, through chapter one, really now getting into one of the uh, kind of the meatiest parts of the book. And so I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to um, share with us tonight through his word. Uh, I want to tell you a story uh, kind of to set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. So a couple of years ago, my wife Aaliyah and I, we went on a vacation. Um, our cruise that year like got canceled and uh, it was a COVID year. So we went uh, to Destin, Florida. And um, I grew up on the, the ugly side of Florida when it comes to beaches. And so Got to see that side of Florida for the first time when it came to like the beach and experiencing it. It was beautiful. One thing that was really, really cool about that side of Florida uh, was like the intercoastal waterways and stuff. And they had this awesome uh, place. It was like a sandbar. It's called Crab Island. Have you guys ever heard of Crab Island? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. So let me just kind of paint the picture. Um, it is a sandbar, probably no bigger than this park. Uh, kind of right under a big bridge that goes over the intercoastal. And like hundreds and hundreds of boats just stop and drop anchor there. And there are like boats that have gift shops on them that, you know, float around in there. There's boats with full restaurants on them. And like you can just go drop anchor and spend a day there at Crab Island. It's really, really cool. So we rented a pontoon boat. And we went out there and we, uh, we were uh, just kind of anchoring there and having a great time. And um, on the, the edge of the sandbar, we see something starting to happen that, I mean, I'd never driven a boat before. So, I mean, at that point I was really new, like had no idea what to do. Um, and, and we see this boat kind of heading towards us and on its way towards us, it starts to pinball off of other boats. Like it's just drifting through the, the water. There's a strong current that day and it's just being swept up in it. Bounces off boats, ends up coming straight towards our boat. Um, and I did the best that I could, kind of leaned over our boat, held it, kept it off of, of our nice rental boat so I didn't have to pay the extra money. And um, the last that we saw of that boat that was just sailing off into, uh, into nowhere, it was headed straight for the Atlantic Ocean. And I don't know if it ever stopped. I'll be honest with you. It's probably out there somewhere still today. Uh, but what we learned there, um, again, never, never been on a boat before, never, or never driven a boat before, but I learned a lesson on that day. And, and I learned this lesson, that it's really unsafe to be caught in the middle of a current without an anchor. And tonight, what I want to share with you uh, is a little truth about our anchor. And it might not be what you think. 
I'll just go ahead and tell you. But uh, to connect the dots, really what we experience today is we are, as Christians, standing in the middle of this current of culture. Everything about the world is pushing against us, and we have the responsibility as Christians, like Paul will say here in chapter 2, we have the responsibility to stand firm. Like everything about the world goes contrary to what it is that God's word has to say. And it is our job as Christians to make the decision to stand firm, but the question is how? We can't do it without an anchor. You know, the world will say all sorts of different things like, man, if it feels right, it is right. Your feelings are the ultimate authority. They'll say, man, life is all about you. Don't worry about anyone else. Uh, They'll say there's no absolute truth. We can all get to God however we want, whatever God is. And when we hear those things, again, that's just the current of culture pushing against us. And we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to stand firm. That is like the thesis statement of Colossians. We're going to read together uh, in chapter 2, starting in verses 6 and 7. I want to read to you like really the thesis of the entire book of Colossians. Paul is going to command us to do exactly what I just said. It says in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So we have a direct command from Paul there that our job as followers of Jesus is to stand firm in the middle of this current of culture. The Colossians were facing that very thing. It's no surprise that we today are in the same exact position that they were. And so our job is to stand firm. And the reason for standing firm is actually found in verse 8. In verse 8, Paul writes, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Again, that's the reason that we stand firm, is that current of culture that pushes against us. Paul says that those things are looking to take us captive. They're looking to take us captive. In other words, they will take you and they will not give you back. That current is strong, and so we need an anchor for our soul. And the question is, what is it? Well, Paul's going to answer that question starting in verse 9. And it's really interesting, because at this point in uh, Paul's letter, you would expect him to start really telling us a bunch of things to do. You know, hey, we have to stand firm in the middle of this current of culture that we have to resist, like, Let me go ahead and give you a list of things to do that you can anchor down in, right? Like that's what you would expect. But that's not at all what Paul does. It's so interesting. Matter of fact, uh, what Paul, uh, he's not going to just give us a bunch of things that we should do. He's not going to tell you, man, you need to surround yourself with the right people and that's your anchor. He's not going to tell you, get into a good church, and and that's your anchor. He's not going to tell you, man, if you can just stay away from temptation, that's the way that you're going to anchor your life against the current of culture. None of that. See, a firm faith, according to Paul, is not built on right behavior. It's built on right belief. 
And so what we see Paul direct us to in these next few verses that we're going to read together is our anchor. But it's not a lot of things, a list of things that we have to do. It's a list of things that we should believe. That's interesting, right? So if there's one thing that, that I want you to really remember tonight, uh, the, this whole talk in one sentence, it's that a firm foundation or a firm faith is not built on right behavior. It's built on right belief. And the reason for that is because if you think that a firm faith is built on doing, like it's built on all the things that you, that you should do, then what you're doing is you're making yourself your anchor. And that will never sustain you in the middle of a culture that is trying with everything that it can to take you captive. You will not be a good anchor for yourself. However, if you build your faith not on what you do, but on what you believe, your faith will be resilient. Because at the center of your belief as a follower of Jesus is this thing we call the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the center of the gospel is Jesus. And if, you're, if your anchor is found in what you believe, then ultimately your anchor will be Jesus. And he is absolutely unmovable. And so what I want to do tonight is really just spend the last few minutes sharing with you if our anchor is what we believe. Like if that's the thing that's going to cause us to be able to stand firm in the face of culture, then what are some things that we need to believe? Well, Paul is going to lay them out for us tonight very clearly. Uh, read with me in verses 9 through 10. I'm going to come over here to this light so that I can see my Bible. All right, in verses 9 and 10, it says this. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Let's just stop there. And I want you to focus on those words that say, you have been filled in him. The first belief that is going to anchor you, it's going to enable you to stand firm in the face of a culture that wants to take you captive. The first truth is this. It's that Christ is in you. Christ is in me. See, when you come to believe this truth, it changes everything about your life and it will enable you to stand firm. See, Paul explains here that the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And the good news for us as followers of Jesus is that if we do make the decision to follow Jesus, then we will have a firm faith and we'll be able to withstand the pressure of current culture in the world because that same Jesus is in us. Really what Paul is, is doing is he's reminding us of the fact that in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, we have a helper, we have a comforter, and we have a source of strength. It's exactly what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by his same Spirit living in you. Christ in you is the first thing that you can anchor your life to. It's the first belief that can serve as an anchor for you to stand firm against the current of culture. I have seen this take so many recent high school, like not specific people, but like high school graduates that step into their freshman year of college. Man, I have seen 
what a lack of belief in this truth, truth will do. Because what happens is, if you don't know this truth, if you don't realize that Christ is in you and is your source of strength, then you start to look to yourself for strength. And so I've seen countless numbers of high school seniors that graduate, step into their first semester of college, and uh, man, they are surrounded by what, I mean, many of you have probably experienced this same thing, surrounded by worldly things, pressuring you on all sides to just pick your feet up and drift away in the current. And when your strength, or when the source of strength is yourself, you will never have the ability to withstand that current. That's why belief is our anchor. Believing that Christ is in you, and not by your strength, but by his strength, you have the ability to withstand the pressures of the world. Christ is in me. But what's the second thing? Let's read in uh, verses 11 through 14. I think it's so funny. What You're about to see what I'm talking about. I think it's so funny that this was the outdoor service when we're about to talk about what we're about to talk about. Read with me in verse 11. <clears throat> in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The second belief that you can anchor your life in. Like if belief is our anchor, what is it that we're supposed to believe? The second thing uh, tonight uh, that you can anchor your life in is this, that the old me is gone. The old me is gone. Now, of course, the circumcision passage would be the one where we are outside. Thankfully, I don't see any mothers and children walking around having to cover their ears. Uh, let me just kind of tell you what, what that means. Um, not like literally. I'm gonna tell you what Paul meant. So what Paul is referring to there, he's talking about something symbolic. The cutting away of what once was. And what, what we see here uh, is that Paul is reminding us that if we are in Christ, the old me is gone. The me that was powerless to stand against the current of the world, the current of culture, the me that was powerless uh, to resist sin and temptation, that me was crucified with Christ. Like when Christ went to the cross and he was nailed to the cross, he wasn't the only one that was crucified because our sin was placed on his shoulders. And so you might, you might ask like, all right, I, I get that belief is our anchor. I get that that's supposed to be the thing that allows me to stand firm in the face of a culture that's trying to wash me away. But like, how does that work? How does believing in that truth do anything for me? Well, I, I want you to like imagine uh, that you are, and I'm, I'm sure you can identify with this, that you're right there at that decision point of that big temptation that still grips you. Might be pornography, might be lying, cheating, 
I mean, whatever it is, you are, you are face to face with that temptation. This truth, this belief, it changes everything. It's your anchor. And, and I'll tell you how, because if you believe this, that, that the old me is gone, then what you're saying about that sin is that that literally that sin that you are being tempted with was placed on the shoulders of Jesus on the cross, that God poured out his wrath on that sin and Jesus went to the grave and defeated it. And so what is that sin to have any power over you? Any power over a believer who has been changed by the power of the gospel, Jesus has already defeated it. And so you can believe that and through believing that you can see and say that, man, there is no way that I have to give in to that temptation, to the pressure of that sin. You see how belief can be your anchor? See, we rely so heavily on the things we do. But really, I'm telling you, if you wanna stand firm against the current of culture, it's not about what you do, it's about what you believe. So the first two things we talked about, Christ in me, the old me is gone. The last thing is this. Paul says it very simply here in verse 15. He says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The final truth is this, y'all. If you can believe this, it, it will be an anchor for your soul that Jesus wins. At the end of the day, Jesus wins. That means that every single thing that, that we face as followers of Jesus, every single pressure, every single uh, worldly pressure that we face that wants to take us captive, ultimately at the end of the day, Jesus, as Paul says, has disarmed every single one of them. They have no power over us. And now we don't just live for the present because Jesus wins. See, because Jesus wins, it's not like our life that we live as followers of Jesus is not about the here and now. It's about the there and then. It's about the fact that one day we are going to cross over uh, from this world into eternity. And we're going to stand before Jesus. And if we've made the decision to place our faith in him, we have a future. And that future is heaven, that we can spend eternity with him. And so if we really believe that, that Jesus wins, that our future is heaven, that changes everything about the way that we approach the here and now, if we believe it. See, our belief is our anchor. We don't live for this world. We're living for a world that is to come. It's not about what you do. I've seen too many Christians think that the way that they can have a firm faith, like, like these years of college, I'm telling you, they're so important. If there's any time in your life where you have to have a firm faith, it's now. But I've seen so many, so many college students think that a firm faith is found in what you do. Like if I can just white knuckle it through these four years of college, if I can just like not make dumb decisions, if I can do this and this and this, that's not the anchor for your soul that's going to allow you to stand firm. It's found in what you believe. And what you believe is rooted in the gospel. See, the gospel doesn't just save you. The gospel also keeps you. We have this mentality about the gospel that it is only for means of salvation, but it is also for means of discipleship and sanctification, for you to be made more like Christ each and every day. 
I want to invite the band back up. And um, as, as they're heading up, I want to kind of just take what I just said and put it into a picture for you. Again, I said that the gospel doesn't just save you, it keeps you. It's not just meant to be this one-time means for your salvation, but it is meant to be something uh, that lasts for a lifetime. It's not something that you're just supposed to encounter once. It's something that you're supposed to encounter forever. The gospel, the things you believe, should inform everything about what you do. That's what we're talking about when we say that you should stand firm. But I want to paint a picture for you. I want you to go back to uh, when you were 16, and uh, your parents, I want you to imagine that your parents gave you a brand new car. And uh, some of y'all are like, I wish that I had that. Um, I want you to put yourself in, uh, in that position, right? They've just given you a brand new car, and, and they tell you, this is the car that we want you to take to the, the DMV to pass the driver's test. And so you're like, man, okay, that sounds great. I'm going to take it, and uh, let's say you, you go to the DMV. You're sitting there, you and the DMV person with the clipboard, and, and you start working uh, that test. You follow all the instructions. You do everything. You get to the end of the test, and they're like, man, congratulations. You passed. They sign the paper. You get the paper. Take it in. They hand you a driver's license. And you walk out of the DMV, and you walk right past that car that your parents gave you to drive, to pass the test. And you hop on a bicycle, and you ride off home. And that becomes your mode of transportation for the rest of your life. You see where I'm going with that? Like, that would be crazy. That's a lot of times the way that we view the gospel. We look at the gospel like something like that was just meant to uh, attain our salvation. It was, just, it was just a means of passing the test. And we bypass it something that is meant to have massive implications on every part of our life. It should inform everything about every single moment of our life. We walk right past it, and we try to anchor our life in things that we do. We try to be our own anchor. And what Paul is saying here is, no, the gospel does not just save you, it keeps you. It is something not that, it didn't, just, uh, it didn't just exist for your salvation, it exists for you to rely on for your entire life. See, the things that you believe, the truths of the gospel, those are the only things that can serve as an anchor for you in these four years of college and for the rest of your life. If you think that a church or a group of friends is going to be the thing that anchors you down in these, in these next four years and beyond, you're wrong. They can help, but those things are a byproduct of belief. You surround yourself with great friends uh, because you know that you weren't meant to do this life alone. You, you go to, uh, to church and surround yourself with community there uh, at, because of the belief that you have in the gospel that you need to continue to grow in that knowledge. It's all rooted in belief. So what's your anchor today? Are you anchoring yourself in the things that you do or are you anchoring yourself in the gospel? Simple question. Two challenges for you for two groups of people and I'm done. 
There's one group of people, you have never made the decision to place your faith in Jesus. And these beliefs that we talk about, that, that you should be rooted in the gospel, you've never encountered that before. And tonight the challenge is this, don't leave without having a conversation with, with myself or one of our leaders about what it looks like to place your faith in Jesus. Because without the gospel, without your life truly being changed by Jesus, you have no anchor. The challenge for the rest of you who have made that decision, has the gospel just been something that you've walked past? Did you just see it as a means of salvation and completely forget about it? Do you use it as an anchor? Do you think about it when you're faced with temptation is it an anchor in the middle of this, of this constant cultural pressure? If it's not, you're building an anchor in things that ultimately cannot hold you fast. Jesus is the only thing that can. That's why this week at the top of those Colossians journals, it says Jesus is a firm foundation. Jesus is the only firm foundation. So what I'm going to do is I just want to issue both of those challenges to you. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, tonight that invitation is on the table. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'll be off to the side during this next song. Uh, but if you have followed Jesus, my challenge to you tonight is to bring the gospel back into its rightful place. Not just as a means of salvation, but as a means of uh, it should encounter you each and every day for the rest of your life. I invite you guys to stand. The band's going to lead us in a song. I want to pray for us. Jesus, we love you. And God, we, uh, Lord, we're so grateful for the gospel. Lord, we're so grateful for, uh, God, the way that you change hearts. We're so grateful for uh, the truth that you went to the cross for us. I pray that we would not stop encountering that truth each and every day. And God, I pray that this would be a group of people who they are anchored in you because of what they believe about you, not because of the things they do for you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.